Uh, we got a lot of things on the docket today. This is a pretty good week for sports. A couple of things went on or something. So I just want to start talking about, you know, this this boxing stuff we got going on. I mean, I was watching the news and I seen Canelo left um, Golden Boy in design this week or something. I don't, how y'all think that's going to turn out for him? What do you think his next move is with that? I think it kind of sort of positions him to maybe go down the Mayweather route in terms of being able to negotiate his his own deals, you know, instead of signing like a major um, contract with another promoter, he may just decide to do like a, a fight by a uh, fight uh, basis. So I, I think it's a good luck for him. Um, what do you think, Theo? Uh, from a boxing uh, fan, I would say, yeah, it's good. You know, he'd be his own man, his own boss. Had more competitive fights. He's been working more and more competitive fights for a long, long time now. So uh, I guess from this point forward, he's gonna have more competitive fights, like I guess Caleb Plant, maybe uh, uh, Errol Spence in the future, stuff like that. So uh, as far as fight fans concerned, we all should be happy, man. I mean, I think the whole thing about this is kind of crazy. It kind of tells you how like the economy and stuff is going, because from what they said, the reason that he left is because they weren't even able to get the fees for him. Like I heard something where design was offering them part cash and part stocks and all types of stuff like that so i i can understand i mean i think he was i think he has some kind of thing where he was supposed to make between 30 and 40 million a fight or something like that yeah because i i want to say his his contract was worth like uh he had like an 11 year deal or something or 11 yeah. fight deal yeah. something million dollars right right so, see plus mil. these guys wow. And to make make payments when he was supposed to be on the three hundred plus million dollar deal is kind of yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, you could blame you could blame COVID for this uh, this uh, pandemic for I guess the money dwindling down as well. One thing for sure, he has his favorite is the fan base. He has the fan base from um, casual fans to hardcore fans, so uh, he has that on his side. So hopefully, hopefully in the future, uh, he gets his money right. Whatever he wants, he gets his money right. And have uh, better bigger fights. And, and I think I think both of you guys are right. Like um, like you talk about the better and bigger fights, and Kareem mentioned about the um, going the, the Mayweather route. I mean, some of these other things like Top Rank and Match Room, and Al Hyman's got that. I guess that PVC or Premier Boxing or something. I mean, they got different things to offer, but some of them work with design. I mean, Top Rank's not bad. They were ESPN, but I mean, for him to get the money, the best way to go is to go go solo. The right. thing I the thing I wouldn't mind seeing though is if he was with Al Heyman, it would make it easier to make fights with guys like the guy he's trying to fight, Caleb Plant, or you mean the super fight down the road. I wouldn't mind seeing a fight like Jamal Charlo, but he's under um that um Al Heyman too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Al Heyman has everybody. Basically, he has all the welterweights <laughs> and half the middleweight. So this is why a lot of these fights they haven't even progressed yet, or just starting to progress. You know, so like, like uh, I guess the Garcia fight was best coming up. That fight should happen a while ago. You're right. You know, but yeah. I said our aim has all these fighters, man. He takes his time. You know, guys with mid tier fighters and guys is waiting time to uh, get big fights. So uh, I'll about Canelo, man. Do the floor route, man. Avoid our Heyman, man, and be your own boss. <laughs> he had it in his favor. He had a big name. He's well known, fan base. Go that route. Yeah. So, the, the only, I guess, somewhat drawback or concern regarding the solo route 
is um, like you don't lock into a longer term deal, right? Just like any other sport, it's easy to lock into a longer term deal in case something happens. He goes out in his next fight as a solo act, you know, and gets knocked out or something crazy or injured for that matter, you know, and he may not get those bigger fights. Right. Versus getting that guaranteed money on a longer term deal. That's the only yeah. risk. He's, he's basically betting on himself if he goes that route, which is not a bad thing. Because um, he stands to make more if he could sustain and continue to win. Makes sense. Everybody's doing the bet myself right, right now, so <laughs> guess he's next. Yeah. Everybody's doing it, so guess he's next. Yeah. Okay. yeah we, we, right now, we're talking about guys betting on themselves. Let's switch gears to a guy that's making all types of excuses. So we got Deontay Wilder again running around talking about every reason under the sun why he lost the fight. I mean, one of the crazy things, remember the the, the um the pre-game, the pre-fight outfit weighed too much, so it warmed down, he was tired. I mean, what do you think all this crazy stuff that Wilder's talking about? I mean, when he first said the fifth thing, I was kind of riding with him a, a little bit. Not so much as an excuse, but I could see how that obviously would impact, you know, your, your legs. Because I think they said the suit weighed about 40 pounds or something crazy, which is crazy to begin with if you think about it. Why would his corner and even him allow him to come out with a 40 pound, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> the latest uh, excuse, I think. He's saying like his brother was like or something like that. I think now he's just kind of grasping at straws, you know. I think he, he just needs to accept the loss. <laughs> Agree. You know, I think he just needs to accept the loss and, and take it for what it is and, and train to get better, you know. Right. <laughs> um. I agree with the, uh, well, I could see the uh, disadvantage of having a 50-pound outfit on and make no sense. It's not WWE. I understand that. So I could see that. But outside of that, as far as him blaming Mark Breland, I'm not hearing that. Or oh, the tampered water, I'm not hearing that. Or oh, Fury's gloves was, was padded or unpadded. I'm not going through that, man. Fury's just a better boxer, period. That's all it is, man. Yeah, I, I mean, you know how they say styles make fights, and um. I'm sure he might have his number or something. I mean, go back to the drawing board train, maybe switch your style up or something, but you got to stop making these excuses because I think it's right. too much right now. I mean, yeah. I know. think a big part with him is the intimidation thing, too. And I don't think Fury was scared. He's, he's was going along like the, the lines of the Mike Tyson thing where he comes out, tries to intimidate you, but I don't think Fury went for any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Just went out there, like you said, and just outboxed them and, and basically set them up for the for the you know for when Fury that is. Yeah, I think he uh, took Fury for granted. Fury was much better than he thought he was in the ring. Fury got some skill sets, man. I mean, I look like it though, but he can move. He got footwork. He sticks to the jab. He boxes. He throws feints. You know, so he he can box. And plus, with Wilder, I know we're really impressed with him when he fought Luis Ortiz twice. But you look at both fights, Ortiz won every round. Until it took yeah. off knockouts. <laughs> so while this shows on vulnerability entering the uh the furry fight for sure. If they fight again, I like furry again. <laughs> yeah, I think Fury would beat him again. Yes. So do I. Nothing that Wilder showed me in either one of the fights that would make me think otherwise, you know. Yeah, he just comes forward, don't he can't fight backwards. No. 
Yeah, it's true. So let's go from the unimpressive Wilder to the impressive Davis. Did you get a chance to see that knockout uh, that Davis put on Santa Cruz last? I mean, that that uppercut that he got him with that, I mean, it was perfectly timed and pretty much devastating. I mean, before that uppercut, I kind of had, you know, the first couple of rounds, it looked like Santa Cruz might have won, but uh, Davis was kind of the, the last couple on him. But with that uppercut, that was just, that was impressive. Hey, with Davis, I, I never questioned the guy's ability, his skill. The guy has a ton of skill. I always question, if anything, his, his out-of-the-ring antics, you know. If he could keep his head on straight, <laughs> that is definitely one of the next... Well, he's already emerging, but he's he's a superstar in the sport, you know, if he can keep his head on focus. And I think this last fight just, just proved it even more. Right. Uh, Santa Cruz was is, is a good name, to, uh, I guess, as you progress into the uh, pop of pound list. Uh, into the sixth round, I had a 3-2 Santa Cruz. I had Cruz yeah. winner, um, rounds 1-2 and 5. I gave him 5 the edge, but uh, there was one three and 4 but I watched that fight again. Dave was trying to do a left hook all night long. Left hook all night long. He couldn't really get him blocked or he was just missing. And I found he caught at the right time. He flushed and knocked him out cold. But a good fight, though. But David gets his David gets his too much for me. Right yeah, now. Yeah, he, he I, I got to agree with you. He definitely does. I mean, which brings up, like, there's some interesting guys from the fight. All of those guys could pretty much hurt him. Like, you know, like, Tiamafu Lopez, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia. I mean, I'd like to see him fight those level guys, but I don't think you could necessarily get in there and take the type of hits, you know, fighting those guys. Right. I agree. Yeah, it's one of those things. You keep taking those hits. It's, it's entertaining for the fans that he's, that he's standing in there trading blows, but long term, it's, it's not in his best interest, you know. Right, right. Santa Cruz was definitely hitting him. Not at will, though, but at, at a good percentage, I would say that. So if he goes in with, I guess I should say, even Loma, Lomachenko, he's still dangerous out there. You know, even yeah, the yeah. Though. You yeah. know if you can fight Loma, you fight Loma and, and T.O. and somebody else, man, it might be a different outcome. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, you know Loma's going to definitely compete. Lomachenko has been going to put the pressure on him. So right. that, would be, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, that would be a good fight. Man, I think so too. So, from what I see, they're talking about Terence Terence Crawford's next fight might be against Manny Pacquiao or or Errol Spence. We're saying, what? How do you guys feel about those two possible opponents? I think he. Uh, I think he should go for the biggest purse. To be honest with you, because in boxing, there's no necessarily no longevity. Um, I guess you could say that just for almost every sport, but especially boxing. So if I was him, I, I'd take the biggest purse. As a fan, I want to see him fight Crawford because I think Pacquiao is just the name now. He, he stands like a boxer's, a, a fighter's chance, right, with throwing these wild punches, stuff like that. Guy is strong, but I think uh, I, I, I would like to see him take the um, Spence fight as a fan. But if I'm him, I'm taking the biggest, uh, the biggest purse. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing either fight. I would enjoy either fight. Um, but at this point in time in his careers, who 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 against offered a bigger purse, Pacquiao or, uh, or or Spence? Because right now, Spence could arguably is a bigger name right now. 
you could say so you never know maybe Spence might have a bigger bag more than Manny Manny's an older fighter right now he's still in the game still in the fight so but as uh, as Kay said man you know if I'm him he keep talking about Spence 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 so no what fight Spence man you're on YouTube all day you're on Twitter calling his man name out all day long for two three four years you want Spence so we pack y'all along man go get Spence man yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you guys to take Spence. The only, the only actual good thing about the Pacquiao fight is that he could probably make that fight easier. Then he'll make the Spence fight because when you get two guys of that level in there, same, like you said, Spence might be the bigger fighter of the two right now. But when you start talking about that bag and splitting the bag and how that's going to go, that's when it starts getting complicated. And you got... um. Spencer's with Mayweather, and you got Crawford with top rank, so you know how that works out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. I agree. I, I would love to see that Spence fight. So now we're going to move on to, to, I don't even know what to call this, man. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones exhibition boxing match or whatever this is. <laughs> what, what do you guys think this is going to be? Because some people, the guy that's promoting it now is not even calling it a fight. He's trying to say it's a uh, boxing exhibition or something or a skills event. I don't know what to call it. I, I'm more excited. I think Nate Robinson is on the undercard. I'm more excited about the undercard. <laughs> 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 I to see, you know, Tyson and Roy Jones. If this was maybe 15, 20 years ago, I would have been excited. The only thing I would say that that is, is a positive about it is I think the money's going to charity. So it's not mm. like the guys are necessarily doing it for their own personal gain, their own uh, pockets. I, I think I want to say the money's going to charity. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't see any any uh, real entertainment. And I'll probably watch it just for, you know, for the laughs and giggles out of it. I think Tyson will, uh, will probably, if he doesn't knock him out, he'll probably burn himself out after the first couple of rounds, two or three rounds. Same thing with Roy Jones. I think Roy Jones probably have a little more stamina than, than, than Tyson, but he's proven in real fights that he doesn't have too much of a chin. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm not like excited about it. Um, what do you think, uh, Theo? I'm excited because I'm not a Roy Jones fan. So I'm hoping <laughs> he gets knocked out. Let's, let's be, and let's be clear, I am Mike does not consider this fight to be a charity event <laughs> at all. You don't act like it, you don't talk like it. So hopefully he's in that ring, he's not going to Roy Jones' head off for me personally. I'd be happy to see that. I mean, be... <laughs> well, we, you know what? The last last few fights Roy Jones had, man, he doesn't move no more, man. No. He doesn't move at all. I, and I right now, I, and I, I, right now, you got to say Mike Tyson right now is in better shape than him right now. Well, like you said, Mike is going to be Mike. So... I, like right. you said, I don't see Mike taking anything as an exhibition. Mike sees a fight as a fight. Plus, right. kind of like I don't think it's going to be more than three rounds or something like that anyway. So Mike should be able to get get to put in some work in three rounds. At one point, I even heard something crazy, like they was talking about headgear. I'm glad that's not the case. Mm. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. I thought I heard the rumor that they were going to be wearing uh, headgear. For, that would be definitely in Roy Jones's favor, you know. Yeah, yeah, Roy, yeah. I mean that in, in, in a big ring. I would suggest Roy try to get a real big ring. If not, if, if like an advertised ring, Roy will be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. 
the, the funny thing is that they got a pretty good date for when fights usually happen too for them to get like a fight on the saturday after thanksgiving yeah it's a fairly good boxing date too so i was surprised it's gotta i, I gotta check it's gotta be something else coming on but i heard they want like 50 dollars for this fight too wow so nah, they i'm not, I'm not going that route <laughs> yeah, i ain't going that route yeah, hearing that makes me think maybe all of this money isn't going to charity. Right. Yeah, you know, they're going to send 50 bucks per pay-per-view or whatever it is, uh, all of that money over to charity. I hope so, but hearing hearing that, I don't know anymore. Yeah. I don't know what Roy's finances. Mike, Mike looked like he kind of getting a little more stable. I don't know what Roy's finances are like, so he might be getting some right. money off of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. So let's let's move on to baseball, man. You see this? Dip, I mean, I love baseball. Listen, I'm a Yankees fan, but the Mets. I think they got a got a listen, got a good deal with Steve Cohen's buying a team this week or something. What do you guys think of that one? Yeah, I think it's exciting because every time you get a new owner uh, coming in there, that new owner is obviously investing a ton of money, so they want to win. You know, so. Colin is coming in. He's spending a lot of money. He, he's probably, I would imagine, going to make some some changes right away, and he's going to be looking to win. So for an organization that's been struggling, and I'm a Yankees fan, but to see an organization that's been struggling for a while get a new owner who's willing to to continue to spend, um, yeah, uh, I'm excited. I think it's a good good move for them. Yeah, Colin ain't playing no games. Already made made a few firings in management already. Like you fired fire the GM and a couple other guys up there for the management concern. Um, for what I know, he's, he's, he's a, a guy who wants to spend money. He's trying to win right now. So if you're a Mets fan, that should sound good to your ears right now. Yeah. And I, I think it was time for the Wolfons to move on. I think for some reason, remember the, the Bernie Madoff scandal? They was all wrapped up in that. Yeah. That, that, that scandal kind of kind of hit them pretty hard. After that, yeah. the play I remember them signing was... um. Suspended, and I didn't. That didn't work out too well. Yeah, lazy yeah. man. Yeah, everybody else. They started letting people go and trying to pick up people like short term, like Todd Frazier and these type of guys that never panned out. So the, the new guy seems like he got his head screwed on a little better. So mm-hmm. but now that we got the Mets with a new owner, and we got the Yankees. We have free agency opening up. So who do we think that these guys should go after? Uh, I think they need more pitching. I think uh, the Yankees' MO for the last few years has been just trying to hit as many home runs as possible and win that way. So I think they need more pitching. They obviously spent a ton of money last year on Cole, you know, but I still think they need more pitching, more starting pitching, I should say. Mm-hmm. Their, their relievers are pretty good. Um, I'd like to see them retain LeMayu because he's a guy who not necessarily, he can hit home runs, but he's a guy who's not necessarily looking to go out there and slap a ton of home runs every at-bat. So I, I think they got to get back to playing a little bit of small ball and and just go for pitching, I think. And you look at the teams who, who, who are winning and who won recently, that seems to be the formula. Going out there, getting these big uh, heavy hitters, it's exciting for the fans, but I don't know if that's necessarily the winning formula in, in uh, today's major league. 
Green, well said, man. I can't, I can't add much to what you just said on that, man. All I can say is that uh, man, Yankee fans, they need to sign uh, Trevor Bauer for the Reds. Uh, the pitcher Charlie Martin for the Reds. From the Reds, I think it is. He's a free agent, too. So, uh, those two guys, Severino comes back. You got Garrett Cole. And the first star should be one to be a young kid from the farm. The Yankees always want to do the old school route of veteran. These young kids up here, call them up. Them guys, you know what I'm saying, go through the rigorous of, of being a, a real pro in the minor leagues. The Yankees have talent in the office. Stop calling these kids up, man. Let them play and rock, rock it out, man. So I can see them at least having one young kid uh, being a starting pitcher. You know, the first four, you veterans, savvy guys like Cole, Severino, Gorka Bawa, and uh, Martin from the Rays. Like a Debbie, Debbie Garcia, his name is, he's a very good pitcher. He showed problems and things, you know, so get him out there, man. Let him go. Let him get beat up, you know what I'm saying? have his uh, ups and downs. I mean, yeah. for me, looking at the Yankees, I mean, well, we Domingo Herman's back, so we can count that as picking up something. He'll be back for the full yeah. season. I bring in, I bring back LeMahieu, probably bring back Tanaka. If they keep going with that six-inning formula, you might look at the guy like the um the hard-throwing guy from the Oakland A's, Hendricks or something. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I got something that something I really think would be the biggest free agent acquisition for them, and it's an in-house thing. You know what the Yankees need to do? They need to figure out how to get Miguel Andujar more time in the, in the lineup. We have Miguel Andujar, a guy that hit 47 doubles, 27 home runs, and 92, 97 RBIs. 300 hitters. We can't get in the lineup. We complaining about hitting home runs when we got we took a guy that hit 47 doubles out of the lineup because he hit, he made a higher a higher level of, of errors. But realistically, we didn't. We never needed to bring in um bring in what's the guy's name from Miami. We needed, never needed to bring in Stanton. We could have just made Andrew Hart a DH, and we probably been just as good, if not better off, having him there. So I think the Yankees need to figure out how to how to get Andrew Hart back in there. That'll be a, a surprise in-house free agent acquisition because we we were saying we got Andrew Hart. He's not getting any type of playing time, and, and I like Ashella for his defense, but Ashella's definitely not Miguel Andrew Hart complete. We seen that in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And you know, for the Mets, I mean. The Mets, you're going to laugh. The Mets need to sign Rio Mudo, Springer, Bauer, Trey Belindo, right. Stroman. They yeah. just need a, they need an influx of talent on that, on that roster. I mean, Marcelo, Zuna's available. Get everybody. Everybody that will sign there that they can get and get rid of some of these other guys. Like, they got guys that they they have that can play, but some of the, you know, overvaluing them and stuff. Like, if you got a guy that you can't determine where he needs to play on the field and He's splitting time. Anytime, like in any sport, if you got a guy that can split time with another guy and he's not an everyday guy. Because mm-hmm. if he was that great, you wouldn't have him splitting time with the other guy. Right. The Yankees right. have a couple of those pieces, you know, those interchangeable guys, LeMay, Urshelas, <laughs> like you mentioned. So they got a few of those those uh, interchangeable guys. Sometimes that's good. But yeah, like you said, uh, then you start to question their their value in terms of being an everyday player so you got to figure with that you know while we talking about free agency i mean i think we all kind of went with somewhat the keeping lemayo but what do we keep lemayo at and is lemayo like 31 years old or in his 30s i mean 
I, I couldn't see giving them more than a three or four year deal. And I, I couldn't, I, I don't know, I couldn't see nothing more than $80 million for four. That would be the max. I, I can't see him getting no $100 million plus deal, possibly. At least not with the Yankees at this point. No. Uh, well, I'd rather have DJ than, than Luke Voigt. You know, <laughs> Voigt could yeah. go. I mean, I like Voigt, but I pick and choose. I'm picking DJ. He's a he's, uh, better hitter. Uh, he's the ball around the field a lot. You know, he can play multiple positions. Unlike Andrew Hall, because Andrew Hall's problem is not bad as fielder. He can't field. He yeah. can't play third base. He can't play the outfield. And plus, during the pandemic, they didn't even have enough uh, opportunities to give him to try another position. So he got yep. stuck in a bind. You know, so uh, if, if Andy Hall could find a way to play the outfield better, maybe right now we're playing the fall league or play first base, which I doubt too. I was trying to play outfield on my Andrew Hall to get in the field. If not, though, he's going to be trade bait. Because yeah. Urshel's too good defensively on third base. DJ's too nice to even try to move anywhere. So. If anything, I would I would keep DJ and uh, move void because I, I want Lindor, man. I like him a lot, man. Get rid of Torres, <laughs> shortstop. But Torres back at second base, man. He cannot play shortstop at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that that sounds good to me. I think that's possible. I I really would be surprised if Lemay who left. Listen, I, I, listen, he's supposedly really good in the clubhouse too. Like a guy that keeps the team together. He's not right. afraid to speak his mind. I mean, I think they got guys that that are like power hitters and bigger names, but I don't necessarily see Stanton as a leader in the clubhouse. And at this point, Judge is probably not. He, I mean, he may be a silencer, but I don't see Judge as a vocal leader like in the clubhouse either. Mm-hmm. Not at this point or something. So right. you gotta have, you gotta, you gotta keep him. But I don't. I think with the Yankees with all these high payrolls and stuff that they have to think about as far as who they pay in the future, I, I, I don't see them letting them walk. But I couldn't see them. I couldn't see no. 120, 130 million dollar bill coming down the pipe. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't keep him for that, for that uh, type of money, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you got you got to sign a uh, judge in the future. You got to sign Torres in the future too. And you still have Stanton's ridiculous contract, so <laughs> yeah. it's going to be tight. You already gave Gary Cole like three hundred million, so it's like, come on, man. You pay so many guys so much millions and millions of dollars like this. Yeah. He- yeah, it just comes down to that to that decision. It, it, I mean, it's sad, but you'd love to keep him. But they they're definitely going to choose Judge and Torres over keeping him. But you're right. right the, the the best thing the Yankees could do, which would be the hardest thing to do, is to to get Stanton off that roster, move and do hard to the DH and keep Lemayu. That would be the best in that best case scenario. But which I is- couldn't speak team taking stand unless the Yankees even if the Yankees ate part of the money it would have to be a substantial part for somebody right which is crazy because the best case scenario that you just outlined is what they could have done from the beginning right before they even brought Stanton over Mm -hmm. but I think back to what I was saying earlier in terms of the Yankees uh, getting into this mindset of you know just all power they went through this. This we we want guys to hit 40, 50 home runs, which looks good. But when when you get to playoffs, uh, playoff time, and these guys aren't hitting the ball over the fence, then what? And that's when a guy like Lemayu is is more valuable. I think this past season, now uh, Stanton did actually perform pretty well in the playoffs. Now I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he he performed in the playoffs, but. Um, it's a, a huge cost, you know. Right. 
So someone said that I read that uh, he played well because there was no crowd, so he didn't really feel the pressure during the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you I find it very inter- a very interesting comment I read on the web a while ago. That, you know what? That could be it. Because remember, he did well on the Marlins, and they had like no, notoriously low attendance. Right. They basically had no crowd over there. Right. <laughs> no. Exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. What other first two years, we had a crowd where, you know, he's up and down, you know, and don't you know, we have this pandemic, we playing with the pandemic, he balled out. Yeah, that's balled true. Out. That's true. <laughs> balled out. That's true. I mean, it's crazy you got to play again, pay that much, that's got to rely on there being no fans to be successful. I yeah, mean, that's, it's New York, man. It's the jungle, boogie down Bronx, man. It's tough. Yep. Now, if the Yankees don't bring uh, LeMay back, do you see, like, the Mets going after him? Because it seems like they love getting, like you mentioned, Frazier earlier, right? Uh, they yeah. love getting uh, Yankee players once they leave. So I could see the, the Mets maybe pursuing him if he does leave. That'd be great. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, that would be a major improvement. Curtis Grandison, too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see right. I can see the Mets doing that. I mean, that'll be a major improvement because if you look at that roster, I mean, I don't even know if I don't know if there's any leadership on that roster at all. I mean, it was nice to see Cano kind of turn his season around a little bit or something, and they say he's mentoring right. some guys. But um, and Dominic Smith, he seemed like he turned his career around a little bit, but he's still kind of a man without a position. They got him playing first or trying to play first, but. He can't do that full time because they got the other guy that's the rookie of the year playing first. So they they need guys that like could be full time starters and LeMayo plays multiple positions and stuff. They they just they need talent on that roster. So I I could definitely see them going after him. Having him having him batting in front of Alonzo sounds real good though. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. Sounds real good. We're paying for him too, you know. Yeah, and they and they can afford to pay for them, so that that'll definitely be interesting. Right. Okay. A couple of minutes ago, we were talking about like um, Stanton and the pandemic and stuff, and how it improved them with no crowd. Now let's talk about a, another thing: how the pandemic has affected the team in the NFL. We got the Raiders, who managed to lose a six-round draft pick, but not properly wearing masks at, at events and masks in the in the, in the stadium. I mean. To me, I mean, from what I understand, that they were they were actually fined twice before this happened. I guess you know I don't know how good they, they're playing well, but it's kind of unexcusable to lose a draft pick for COVID violations. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, but at the same time, like given the pick that they lost, is it how much value was actually in it? I can see if it's like an escalating like violation thing in terms of, hey, we're going to get you for a sixth rounder. Then if if we have to suspend you again or whatever it is, we'll get you for a third rounder or where it's escalating up. But I don't see them really. I don't think the impact is going to be that much losing that pick unless they you get lucky. You got a, a hell of a scouting team or something. And I, I don't see too much value in the pick. Like, I don't think losing that pick sends uh, like shockwaves or anything to the other teams to say, hey, we need to straighten up us. We're going to lose one of these picks too. Maybe if it was a higher pick or something like that, maybe. Kenya, do you say that they was fined twice before this? Yeah, yeah. They got, um, 
they got they got um the coach they got him twice alone they got him like in game one or two and um then Derek Carr and the Raiders players went to um the tight end Derek Waller had a charity event had like a hundred of hundred people and then and they didn't have masks on so I'm like this is this is crazy but and I didn't know that the NFL's got some rules like set up for them where they can like if it's more than ten people or fifteen people they gotta have masks on so right. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, these guys is, is reckless. That's <laughs> what these guys are, and they should know that this is a business. These guys are trying to lose billions of dollars. These guys are fight, playing football during the pandemic. You touching a guy on every play, whether you're involved or not. Okay, these guys are trying to lose money like this, man. So these guys like, should be more responsible, especially on I guess having charity events and be around the facility to wear masks, man. Come on now. And losing six round picks is, is, is nothing, man. It's, 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 it's nothing, man. How about yeah. a four? How about a four and a six? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then there's some some more. You know, you right. feel more. Right, right. You already said they got fined twice. So obviously, these guys is, is not taking it seriously enough. And I'm quite sure I have two teammates who caught it already, overcame it already, and he's still not following procedures and violations. They're still violating the, the procedures, so on. I mean, should say protocol, so on. Should be more than a six round draft pick. I mean, these are four to six. The thing that's crazy about it is that they see all these other teams where games have to been changed schedules and teams have missed like all their right. players and players right. been out to do this. Like I forgot what team it was, but somebody's whole of starting offensive line was out or something. It might have been the Raiders that the offensive line, the whole off starting offensive mm-hmm. line was out because of COVID. Right. And you, you're still doing stuff like this. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Then I and think Tennessee like has some huge outbreak too, right? Yeah. Earlier in the season. But I think more than the six-round pick, I think, like you just said, Theo, uh, you guys are going out there playing football, touching somebody on every play. So more than the picks and everything else, it's about being safe. So if I'm another team and I hear that guys are out there being reckless, you know, it's like, come on. Right. But you can get it from, from, from uh, an opponent, okay? You don't have to be your teammate. You catch it from your opponent, you know? Come on. Just being reckless and, and against uh, skipping the protocol, man. So these guys got to be, be, more, be more responsible than this, man. Got to be, man. Got to be. Yeah. If you, you look at it, you, you would think with everything going on right now that people won't be. This, this is the people that the people we're dealing with. And moving on to a better, uh, to a better note, Right now, we're seeing some people. We're seeing some different things going on in the league. Where some people are really balling. Who do you guys have like as your your midseason MVP so far? The NFL. Yeah, yeah. Ring, do you think? Oh, uh, I, I would say uh, I don't even know if I have a single person. You got uh, maybe Wilson. Um, every year, it's kind of hard to leave him out of the argument. Um, mm-hmm name somebody on Kansas City you know you can name a couple over there I mean there, there's tons of players I think um, so it's kind of hard for me to pick a, a single player you even have uh, like Rodgers has been balling um, you, you got a ton of guys so I don't know if I can necessarily narrow it down uh, this this early in the season I guess it's mid-season now um, right but who, who do you have Theo? Well, two weeks ago, I would say Russell Russell Wilson, but the last two games he's been kind of awful, including today. So, uh, 
If I was voting right now, I would go Mahomes. Mahomes has one interception. Entering this week, into this week's game, he had 21 TDs, one interceptions, and uh, Russ had uh, 26 touchdowns and six six interceptions. Not including today's game, what they lost in the last two games, they didn't he didn't play too well. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I would say Russ, but right now, I'm give it to Pat. And Tom Brady's right there, right, right, right behind both of them. Honestly, Tom Brady. You know, hate you to know, admit it's, that. Funny. It's, it's funny you should say that, Bill, and I gotta agree because I had Tom Brady as like a dark horse, dark horse candidate because he's always in the conversation. I think if Tampa Tampa wins like 11, 12, 13 games, he'll be right there. But I got a real sleeper one quietly that he's playing well, but people won't give him because it's a tough position to win at. I'm looking at Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams got the, the, the statistics that Randy Moss had at this time when Randy Moss had the monster year. Right. They, he's matching him for pace. I mean, of course, that's going to that's gonna be a tough competition because if Adams gets those numbers, that means Rodgers is getting those numbers. Right. But Devontae Adams with him is, is, is a lot better than what he's getting credit for. I mean, mm. I don't know if you guys caught caught one of that debate this week with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones or who's the best receiver in the league. Where Devontae Adams said, "What's him? Um, he feels like he is," and Julio Jones said, "He feels like he's the best receiver." If, we, if both guys are completely healthy, hundred percent, I'm taking Julio every day. <laughs> and I love Devontae Adams. Devontae is nice. He's, he could be a one B or a number two. But if both guys, both guys are completely healthy. I'm taking JJ. Yeah, Not a question. Julio Jones. I gotta agree with you on that one too. Right now is 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 Adams though, you know. Julio's yeah. hurt. Don't have the same numbers. Adams is balling out. So uh, right now, you know, I give it to Adams. We're talking about 100 percent healthy. I'm going Julio. The crazy thing is, uh, in regards to Tom Brady, is we were talking uh, not too long ago about him being like a game manager. <laughs> Here he is again, right? Every every year you want to put that 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 tag on him, that title, and then the guy just comes and does the job at a at the highest level. You know, every every week it seems. So he is a of- he is the dick and dunk champion. I always call it that, but he's a great <laughs> dick and dunk passer. That's what he is, man. It is what it is. I mean, I his decision making, I think, is what really separates him from a lot of these guys. Like, Yes. You don't see Tom Brady yes. taking a bunch of sacks. You don't see him turning it over. Like it, it seems like like he get, he has a good internal counter when he knows when the pressure's coming from coming from him with how long he's got. He gets rid of the ball. Plus two, he's not afraid to spread it around. So he's one of those guys that like right now everybody was looking for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to be superstars with him, but. That ball is getting spread out. He doesn't. He doesn't care who's on the other end of it. The ball's getting spread around. So, yeah, he, so, loves, he loves those guys running those little short crossing uh, routes mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I wonder what Mahomes. Though, going back to him, is 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 he um, like reaching that level of almost like the LeBron James thing, where <laughs> where you almost expect them to? So he's he's a little bit overlooked because of how good he is that's fair i mean the guy's exciting he makes exciting plays these guys be down 17 points and then because you know you turn your channel the game was tired these guys going up and because these guys score quickly and he's doing accurate passes on a run 60 yards accurately to your yeah. chest so that's fair to say for sure 
Yeah, I think you may be getting into that mode, you know, of a guy that a lot of people overlook just because of how good he is. So I could see him throughout his mm-hmm. career probably missing a few MVPs because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you, you never, really never really out of the game with Mahomes. We see not even in the Super Bowl. You, you're not out of the game. If he's on the team, he's you in the game, so. Right, right. It's, and he, it's it's gonna get like it's kind of it'll be like what they call it LeBron fatigue or something or mm-hmm. Mahomes they even said Jordan fatigue where you so great you so great that people start thinking it's easy or you know or it's, 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 right it's too you see it so often that you expect it like you said and it just just turns into something where you'll find somebody that you like wait a minute how did that guy how did that guy win the MVP I think that goes back to I mean. Just to, just to put in the basketball phrases, I mean, I love Steve Nash, but I don't know how he won those two MVPs beating out Kobe and stuff like that. And so, Shaq one year. When you yeah, Kobe, exactly. when you Shaq. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was one of those, let's just spread it around kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those guys, like you said, are so great and been doing it for so long. Yeah. And plus, Pat Mahomes is entering, he's about to enter his prime, too. I don't think he's not in his prime yet. No. Not his prime right now. He's entering his prime pretty soon. Maybe next, maybe next season you can say he's entering his prime. But because right now, man, he's, he's on the way to be real, real great. You know what's interesting about that? I was watching. Um, you guys ever catch the shop, the LeBron James thing that he got mm-hmm. to show? And Pat Mahomes was saying something that I, it was mind-boggling. Like he was like, "This was this was the season from last year." He was like, "Yeah, I just I just learned how to read defenses this year." Yeah, he yeah. said, I'm still trying to pick up all the coverages. He's like, I was just going out there basically playing ball. Yeah, I'm looking down. <laughs> I see who's open. I throw the ball to the guy that got nobody on him who open. But he's like, wow. oh, defenses. He was like, I'm still learning that. He's like, because they, they asked him about um, calling the plays. He's like, you know, Tom Brady, Rodgers, all the great guys call their own plays. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm good with not calling them yet. I'm not ready for that. He said that, um, he brought up an instance in, in a game. He was like, somebody somebody, t- somebody played zone on him the whole game. And they got to like within the five-yard line. And Andy Reid called a play that was against man-to-man. He was like, he turned to Andy Reid. He was like, why'd you do that? And then they ran the play. And sure enough, when as soon as the team pulled up, they switched the man. And they got the touchdown. And he went back to Andy Reid. And Andy Reid said, I had seen them line up like this like eight years ago. So, mm. so he was like, he's like, now he realizes he's got to watch that film more and see these defenses. And, and he said, when I get to like Andy Reid or these offensive coordinators levels where I could dictate the plays out and stuff, then I'll be, you know, where I think I should be. He's like, well, right now I'm not there. He's, he's, he's learning to read defenses and he's killing the NFL. Yeah. That's talent. I mean, God, that's God giving talent right there. Now imagine if he would. Imagine if he could be defenses right now. He'd probably be even better. Yeah. Better stats. Probably even more, more better. So basically, yep. he's so he's so nice. He 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 just has has a good awareness. I guess to always find our receivers open. You can't read defenses, or I guess extend the play to find a guy who's open to uh, make that pass. Yeah. So that, that, that's very scary right now. Man, to hear that. Yeah, I, I mean, we got a lot more, a lot more years to see of Mahomes. Yes, hopefully so. Hopefully so. So, 
You know what? I'm sitting here thinking in regards to the MVP conversation, a guy who probably should be in there, he's not even on the field, is your boy Theo Dak, right? You, you look at him, he gets hurt, and look at look at the Cowboys, you know? So, I mean, before that, the guy was... He was killing, yeah. He was, yeah, he, he, um, he, was number, he was number one in every offensive category for a quarterback. Yeah, he was killing. He broke his ankle. My MVPs, and I'm saying, uh, yeah. he's not even on the field. That should be in that conversation in terms of what the guy meant to the team. And if yeah. they're... I, I hate to use the term happy, right? Because obviously a guy's not happy to have... Uh, serious injury like that but i'm sure deep down inside he's probably a little bit happy in terms of because now this is kind of proving his value in terms of going for that that contract right like if they would have went out there and and still performed at a higher level then they may have questioned hey do we bring this guy back yeah, we-, we could do it with anybody <laughs> right right yeah you're right it, it, we got hurt it fell apart period yeah on both sides of the ball yeah. it fell apart because when he out there he, he uh Keep, keep the defense rested, you know. He extends plays, make good decisions. You know, he's dangerous, man. So, uh, him, being, him being hurt for, for a year hurts the team drastically. So, yeah, if he can come back, you know, hopefully he comes back, he's the same player or even better. And then he's he, he's an MVP uh, caliber player, I would say, too. Yes. Fortunately, it took this injury to prove it. No, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's tough. Before that, he was being a little overlooked too. You know? Yeah, I think so. Well, hey. They're going to franchise him. I know that. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll franchise him one more time. Yeah, one more time, and that's it. They didn't get his hey. money. We talk about Dak. We had another. We had another former Cowboy come back on the active roster today. Des Bryant. Des Bryant returned to the league from to, and Antonio Bryant. Brown, Tony or Brown, rather. I don't know how Brown did. I mean, Bryant then was saying Bryant didn't get on the get, didn't get on the field, didn't have a catch. But I know after the game, they were he was talking about how it was his great feel, the great feeling of being back out there after this long. I mean, for me, I'm just happy to see that he's back out there. Right. Yeah, I think he was falling into the category. He, I think he still has talent. I think he was falling into the category of being blackballed a little bit. Um, for various different reasons it seems but yeah it's good to see him back out there Antonio Brown is I would say it's good to see him back out there too he's done some things that you know it's questionable off the field but it's good to see him on the field Um, so yeah it's good times to see both of them back I would say yeah Des you know I'm happy for Des Bryant for him being a former Cowboy fan Cowboy player I should say I'm sorry Um, we'll be on fifth to play right now right away he's not ready yet Maybe next week he'll be ready to make it a few snaps, a few plays. But as far as I let him play right now, I wouldn't let him play. But it's good that they allow him to suit up and put on that, that jersey and put on the equipment and get that feel and, and, hear, and hear the tackle being played and everything else. So it's good. on that part of, of the game, I'm happy for him. So hopefully next week we have a few plays, few plays run for him so he, he can really um, be happy and uh, for the team being back on the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. I mean, as far as Antonio Brown, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, that that he easily would be in the number one receiver conversation of all-world talent. Incredible ability. He just got to get his get his off-field stuff straight. Now, I believe that this is Antonio Brown's last shot. Yeah. That if, he, if he's on here and he does something that's questionable or something that doesn't work out, I mean, you're playing with Tom Brady now. 
Yeah. Everybody on that Tampa Tampa Bay team, they bought it for net. They got Evans and Godwin. They got Gronk. All of these guys are kind of geared towards making the playoffs and trying to win the Super Bowl. So you can't say that you want a roster that's not trying to win with bad players. You got leaders, mm-hmm. people who want to win. They looking for Super Bowls. So that excuse is out. So if he's not on his best behavior or something goes wrong, I, I could see this being the last the last um last chance for him. Yeah, I would agree. Um, like you said, especially playing with Brady. Um, you can't be out there with the off the field antics and stuff like that. Especially if you plan on on sticking around beyond this, because right now he's he's playing for his next contract. So yeah, I would agree. If he gets out there and it's any any extra antics and stuff like that, this would be his 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 last time suiting up in the league. I think. I mean, the man right now is living with Tom Brady right now. So <laughs> this, this is definitely his last last chance in the NFL to get any contract. You live with Tom Brady at his home. And I think we got on the road. You was roommate as well. So. Uh, there's no excuse for uh, for Brown to not just act together. So hopefully, you know what I'm saying, from a fan perspective, if he does and uh, show the world that he's still a good player. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. So this week we got some good news from the NBA. The NBA season starting on December 22nd. I'm a little selfish and glad they started then because I love those Christmas games. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you guys feel the league's going to be starting December 22nd? think is good for some teams uh bad for others one of the teams that is bad for i would say not even bad but they'll be less rested is the lakers right um you already see lebron james tweeting out i think he'll he'll have 77 days off (laughs) start of the season or something like that so i think certain teams that had long playoff runs i could see them feeling a little effects of it um but on the flip side of that you have teams like like my Knicks, right? Who's been out for almost a year, it seems like now. Um, so you got to get these guys back on the court. I would say the teams that made the long uh, playoff runs, they should probably go to, which I'm sure they will, go to like the low management route. Um, but like you said, as a, as a basketball fan, I'm, I love those Christmas games. So I'm excited to see them coming back. Um, plus a, a big part of it was, was revenue too, right? Because um, I was hearing that the like the January start date with a 50 game schedule, and they were saying that that would have uh, dramatically reduced their their revenue, which is why Silver was pushing for the the 70 game schedule. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing. Um, certain teams, like I said, maybe not so much, but overall, uh, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, we 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 was on point right now. I, I agree with what he just said, man. I mean, as a sports fan, I'm happy that uh is back. I probably was there myself in January because a lot of the teams like that Portland and other guys who play seven game series and different others play seven game series could use some more rest. You know, I give these guys uh two months two months off, I don't think it's uh, sufficient for these guys' bodies wearing the tip. These guys are human by the way. And in the day, man, it's about that about that bag. The NBA, so so I get it, you know. So, like uh, you know, said too as well. I Man, I love Christmas games as well too. So, uh, but uh, if it was me, I would do January right now. But the players voted on it, the players approved it, so I can't complain. 
I mean, I gotta, I gotta agree with both of you guys. Like as far as you know, in an ideal situation, I'll make it January, but to get the, the money loss and stuff. But the fun and the low management part. Now here's the funny thing about it. I mean, all they gotta do is work it out in the schedule. So if the Lakers play like the Cleveland Cavaliers, they don't have to use Braun or the, or if the, the Clippers play the Pistons, Kawhi can sit that one out. So. Depend, depending on what the schedule is like, I'm pretty much sure that if the Lakers schedule has has the Cavaliers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Detroit Pistons on three nights straight, you might see LeBron playing about 26 minutes between three games or so. So, yeah, as long as, they, but you know what they'll do? They'll, they'll do this just to try to get us watching. On Christmas, you'll see the Lakers versus the Clippers or something like that, or some kind of mega game that would be better off like at the, you know, in the midpoint or later on in the season. But for, um, for television value, they'll put that first. Well, how about this? If LeBron is not going to play, they should notify the fans. Because, you know, people like us who are hardworking fans, who have families, who have sons and daughters who play basketball, want to see LeBron change play. You hear him hearing you know, do it all the time. The body's ticket that cost a lot of money. Yep. In New York City, you know, LeBron's taking a rest. My son ain't trying to hear that. He's like, Dad, where's where LeBron? You know, I'm like, yo, LeBron, man, I, I did uh, two two double shifts for my job, vice tickets, man. Where you at, man? Back in New Jersey, man, get out court, man. Let's go. You know, but you know, LeBron, you LeBron ain't gonna play. Look at fans know ahead of time. We live the time, still show up to the game. You actually raised a good point in terms of because I think they're looking to try to have. Uh, around 25 to 50% max capacity in the stadium. So does the load management mean as much if there's uh, very little fans in the seats? I mean, I I think, I think if you pay for the ticket, you want to see the stars. So I I get that. But I would, I would, I I thought the NBA was trying to get people, I think Popovich messed that up because the NBA was trying to get guys to say in advance who was playing. And then Popovich was pulling all types of crazy stuff like probable to play in and stuff and yes. just not playing them. Because they want they want they do want to know in advance because they'll pull a game off a of TV because of that. Right. So, so yeah. LeBron's supposed to play and then all of a sudden the Lakers decide they're not gonna they're gonna play the Knicks and they're not gonna play Davis and LeBron. Why would you wanna have that game on prime time or something? Mm-hmm. Plus, from my understanding, with the the twenty five to fifty percent capacities, they're they're talking about uh, basically opening up the expensive seats, like the suites and stuff like that. So those, those people, I hate to say it, those people who are buying the suites could probably afford to to pay the money and not necessarily see LeBron James suit up if they're in those those expensive suites. But for the average fan, yeah, if I if I'm paying my hard earned money, I want to see the top players on the court. Right. Okay, well, they're going to return to the court. We get to see Kyrie and Kevin Durant return to the court this year or something. I mean, they got a whole cast of players with them or something. You know, Karis LeVert and got to sign Joe Harris and stuff. But the Nets right now, we could say they have a big two. And they have, a you know, Karis LeVert who could possibly, possibly be a three. We don't know that yet. I mean... If the Nets could or the Nets needed needed to, who could you guys see the Nets going out trying to get as a third person or something like that? I think they're going to target Bill is what I would say. I could see them trying to swing a deal for, like you said, Levert maybe in there. 
maybe even throwing in uh, Jared Allen. Um, I could even see them like really going for it and throwing Dinwiddie in there too. He's another guy who could be a, a third option, really. I think Dinwiddie's kind of underrated. But at the same time, the only thing I'd say is is there's got to be a balance there given KD is coming back from a major in, uh, injury. So we don't know if he's going to be the same KD. We hope he is, but we don't know that for sure. And then Kyrie, he hasn't had uh, like the major injuries, but he always seems to have these nagging injuries. So do you want to trade your depth for that third star? And then next thing you know, you get an unfortunate injury to Kyrie or whatever the case may be. Now you don't have that that debt. And I think the Nets kind of sort of just went through that in terms of, I think when they had like D'Angelo Russell and those guys there, they were building something. And now to see them possibly diminish it, uh, to add that third star, it's a risky move, I would say. But if they're going to do it, I could see Bradley Bill as probably being a, a, their top target. I don't see like a Giannis or anything like that. Um, going there, but uh, yeah, I would say Bradley Bill is probably their their top target if I had to guess. Um, I would I would say Paul George. I like Paul George. I mean, don't get it twisted. Paul George is nice. I know he had a, a, a bad seat with the Lakers, but as far as the fit, Paul George, I think is a more all around better player than uh, Bradley Bill. You can play defense. You can play the one, two, and three. Um, you can play about the point guard and let, let Kyrie play off the ball, which Kyrie likes to do sometimes too as well when they play with LeBron James. And I think uh, Paul George has something to prove to the NBA and to the fans that, you know, he gets to play this game. But right now he's getting a bad rap. And uh, I think he'll be a good fit. I think he'll be a better fit because he's more versatile than Bill. Bill is, is, is a straight uh, two guard. I can't see Bill playing that point guard and give Kyrie a rest or Kyrie's in foul trouble like that. You know, but as a, as a fit, I like Paul George because he plays defense as well, and uh, he plays multiple positions as well. And I think I have a chip on the shoulder to prove people that uh, he's still one of the best players in the league. And plus, I, I think uh, plus I think you can give up less assets too to get Paul George. Unlike Bill, probably give up more to get Bill at this stage right now where they at. I mean, for me, when I look at it, I mean. I, I would probably try to if I could because you never know like Kyrie and Kevin Durant have like these eccentric type attitudes and way above going the game so to try to like like cut down on my wrist or my, what I have to give up I might try to go for a guy like DeMar DeRozan or Gordon Hayward because both of those guys are like on last year's of their deal so at the trade you know let, the, let, let it play out to around the trade deadline see how it works out with Levert if not, bring in one of those guys for a future draft pick or something. You might be able to still be able to keep Kyrus and give away less assets because, you know, if you go out there and you go all in on, on Bradley Bill or Paul George, you got to remember if Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, Kyrie is Kyrie. Part of the reason Kyrie had an issue with LeBron is because he wanted to be the top dog. KD yeah. is going to be the top dog. And I don't know how Bradley Bill will feel about taking 12 shots a game. Paul George might be a little more amicable to doing that because he does other things, but Bill's gonna want to have Bill's gonna want to get his attempts. Guy like Demar Derozan at the you know end of a contract, Gordon Hayward knows you know in his situation that ain't gonna be a lot. And if they really want to think long term, I got a couple of like like long term crazy solutions. Like you got guys out there that complement them well, like a Zach Levine who can shoot really well, who doesn't need to have the ball in his hands too much to do stuff. 
Buddy Hill, but I think he might be another guy that complains about getting shot attempts. But I think where they really need to address, even outside of that third star, is that, I, I mean, I don't know about DeAndre Jordan and, and um, Jared Allen as the only bigs or something. I mean, they gave up Brooke Lopez before. I'm sure they wish they had him. Maybe you get a guy like Miles Turner or something. But I think where they lacking that, I think they're good with the, with the you know, the ones, twos, and threes. I mean, their roster's filled with guys. I mean, hopefully Crawford comes back. You got Temple, Garrett Temple, Justin Anderson, Tyler Johnson, Wilson Chandler. You know, they got like a who's who of twos and threes. But they don't really have nobody to play the four and the five, really. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works out even before looking at a third star. You know, Kenny, you, you, you just convinced me, man. I, I, I like your option better. I like that the the uh, the Rosen we signed um, Joe Harris and get somebody else and strengthen and uh, have a more versatile uh, bench. I like that. Man. I agree yeah. with doing that. Yeah, to me, I don't think they need a third star. I mean, I look at it. How much more out do these guys need? You got KD, right. who's arguably, assuming he comes back and he's KD, is arguably the best player in the league. If not, he's top. Uh, you know, top three probably if he's the same KD. Same thing with Kyrie. I wouldn't say top three or anything like that, but he's definitely one of the top players in the league, assuming he can stay on the court. So I think they need to probably, in my opinion, stand pat. And if anything, add to the bench depth, which I think they already have. Like you said, I think they have a ton of those twos and threes. Maybe they could give up a piece here and there for another big. Uh, one of the bigs I like on there who didn't really get too much playing time was, uh, I think his name is Clayton. Um, Clarkson, Nick Clarkson. Yeah, there you go. I, I thought he played well in the minutes he got. Um, so I, I think they got a lot of, I think they got a lot of talent. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Um, so I don't think they need that third star, to be honest with you. Plus, I look at a guy like Paul George, and on paper he fits the mold, like you said, because he's a two-way player doesn't necessarily need the ball. But at the same time, I think Paul George is, he, he's gonna be looking to try to go on a redemption tour next next season. He can't go on a redemption tour as the third option, you know? Right. So that's the only thing with him. And the same thing with, with uh, Bradley Bill, is Bill's not looking to put up 12 shots. He's not going from becoming the face of a franchise when Wall went down to being the third option willingly. I don't see it, especially this early in his career. The guy's is still relatively young. He's coming into his prime. So I don't think they need that third star. I just think they need to see um, what they have in the current team. And if anything, tinker around the trade deadline and add a piece here and there. I think the main thing with them is just, if they can, they don't have any control over it, but just try to stay healthy. I mean... You know who I think would be interesting for them if they were willing to pay the money? It sounds crazy. A guy like Kevin Love. If you put Kevin Love next to Jared Allen, that would be a big difference out there. Kevin Love's gobbling up those rebounds and knocking down those threes from the power forward spot. Yeah, that's a lot lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money to add, though. What about a guy like uh, um, Howell? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he he clogs the paint a little bit for what they're trying to do, right? Uh, Rebounds, defense, yeah. Yeah, but he does a bunch of that dirty work if they're looking for that type of player, so. Yeah, that, that's what they need. They don't need no scoring. They could score, they could play defense. 
So uh, I agree with you guys, you guys uh, the names you guys are adding to the topic. I agree with you. I would go for somebody who could play the powerful position, just rebounds, physical, menacing, you know, those elbows here and there. They ain't no scoring. They got that. They got yeah. maybe some more size. Then you think, like you mentioned Levert, uh, granted, he's not going to have too much of a choice but to be a third or fourth option or whatever it is. But that he, he's a relatively young guy, you know. I'm sure at some point he's going to want to get his shot to, to show. I don't know about being the number one option, but see what he could do out there. Same thing with Dinwiddie. When Kyrie is, is on the court, Dinwiddie's not playing as well. When Kyrie is out, Dinwiddie looks like an all-star, you know? So how do you go and tell this guy, oh, we're only going to give you 15 minutes a night? Yeah, hmm. that would be tough. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it, you look at it, especially in one of the things I'm, the only, one of the things that most concern me about that team is that, you know, I love Katie and Kyrie, but they got to learn to stop talking so much. I mean, recently Katie made some comment that Kyrie was better than Iverson. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Kyrie's ball handling, you know, some of his skill sets might be better, but he's nowhere near with Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was a number one option that drove a team that had minimal talent. I mean, he had Mutombo and Aaron McKee and guys like that, Geiger, to the championship. Kyrie could never do anything like that. But they keep making comments and talking. I mean, what do you guys think, you know, they, they, they got need to do over there? I think the the comment that really I think that comment was a bit far fetched. Iverson then the league, like you said, took a team of players you can't even probably remember. Eric Snow and these guys, Matt Geiger, right, to the championship. So I think that comment was definitely far fetched. But the comment I think that really uh raised an eyebrow for me is when they started uh mentioning the whole coaching thing with Steve Nash, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Nash isn't the coach or you know like you said these guys they I don't know it's almost as if they have to like stroke each other's ego because they came together or something I it's a weird dynamic there but yeah I would agree they definitely need to stop talking because the more they talk I think the more other players are listening um, and guys are going to be coming at them I think um, so you just giving people ammunition you know, I think, granted, they have the, the, the skill set when healthy to back it up, right? Nobody's arguing that. When KD is, is on the court and he's KD, he could talk as much trash as he wants, right? Who's going to stop him? Guys, seven feet, ball handling, can shoot outside, go inside, post game. Same thing with Kyrie, but I think just, just prove those things on the court now. Enough with the talking. You got to mention what? Tumbo. Matt Geiger, Nazir <laughs> Muhammad, Tyrone, Tyrone Hill, Eric Snow, and McKee. Yeah. Do you think Kyrie could carry that team to the playoffs, uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone to the Finals? No, 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 no. way. I don't. No. How about win a How about win a game against Kobe and Shaq in LA? No, no way. I don't see that either. I Iverson, I mean, I'm a George Town fan, you know, guy, I love my Warriors, man, but Iverson was, was special, man. And very underrated player, too, as well. He could carry his team with his back. He's shown that most of his entire career. After practice, coming to the bar, he'll get you 40 points. 
all the hanging out with me and you and, and, and Kareem hanging out, chilling, getting this drink on, you're still getting 40. <laughs> Obviously, it was great, man. And I, if either was serious about his health or his, his body, he might, he might have won a championship or so, you know. Yeah. But, but, but that being said, man, Kyrie is great. I love Kyrie. And for handling wise, I give it to Kyrie, man. But outside of that, man, Iverson was a beast. Like Kobe Bryant said himself, we all lucky that Iverson is not 6'5". Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not the yeah. Pope of Kobe Bryant. So, you know, Kobe knows basketball, rest in peace of Kobe. Kobe knows his, Kobe knows his basketball, man. That's a quote. Yeah. So we have, we, we would say we have a, another, we lost a few black coaches, but we gained a new one. The Rockets hired Steven Silas. I mean, he's got a ton of experience as a, as um an assistant, probably like twenty years dating back to like when his fa- father was with the um the Hornets when they were in New Orleans. From the, I mean, he's been with Golden State, Charlotte, Cleveland, the Wizards. I mean, I'm I'm good with him getting a shot with the Rockets or something. I mean, I think a lot of people wanted John Lucas, but to me, I think Russ and Harden needed some tough love maybe a, a different voice because I think I don't know if Lucas could have gave, gave him that message that they needed as far as like like I mean it's nice to be the guy's friend but they, they need to change the scenery and a change a change the gameplay or something how you guys feel about um Steven Silas with the Rockets like you said I, I'm excited for him to, to see another black coach get in there um, the guys put in the work to to get the shot the only thing I would say is I almost wonder if they're kind of setting him up to some degree to be the fall guy, right? Because you had uh, the GM, Maury, get out of there, right? It's almost as if Maury realized that that roster, he damaged that roster so much, um, like almost beyond repair without them trading Harden or or I don't know who they're going to get to take uh, Russell and give back a ton of assets. But to see him get his shot, uh, and inherit a team like that is is it's exciting, but it's almost unfortunate because now they're trapped with PJ Tucker at the center and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I, it's exciting to see him again get that shot, but I think a lot of work still has to be done. I think that roster is going to have to be overhauled. They're going to have to get away from the small ball. You don't need a bunch of giants walking around, a la my my Knicks, right? Going outside and four or five power forwards. You don't need that. <laughs> But, you know, at the same same time, you know, I think he's getting a shot, which is great. But I think they're going to have to give him some help. And by help, I mean get him a roster to to help him perform. Yeah, I'm happy for him. You know, he was born into a a basketball environment, basketball household with his dad. Been around the game from day one as a kid. So I'm quite sure he knows his basketball more than people think he does. Uh, in hindsight, the Rockets, I guess, regret trading Clint Capella. That was a terrible trade you rid of him. Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, because I'm quite sure if they had him with Russ and Harden, the Cup game was really close, man. They could have pulled it out, you know. But uh, good for Silas, man. Young guys, he's, you know, he's 48 years old, been around the league, he's well known, well liked. I saw a few tweets. He got hired with um, Dirk, Steve Nash, other players who know him. So they're, they're very happy for him, and, and he's going to show people that he could coach. So um, I'm going to happy for him, and hopefully, you know, for his, for his sake, uh, he get a chance. He get a, a chance to turn the team around and put in his philosophy 
into the uh, into the franchise. Take some time. It's gonna be it's gonna be a one year thing. So hopefully he get opportunity to you know input his, his um philosophy into what he wanted to do. And I, I think you're right, Theo. Too. I mean, I think the biggest mistake that they had, and and I, I mean, Daryl Morey really did leave them with crap, like you said, Kareem. That Clint Capella trade. I mean. You imagine if Stylus came in and they still had Capella, you could build some kind of remnants of a normal system. But when you, when you shred every big man on the roster and put P.J. Tucker at the center, I mean, if I look at it, the only asset that they really have that's, I mean, Tucker, I think, might even be like a restricted free agent or free agent. I mm-hmm. mean, who can you trade? Eric Gordon? I mean, and, and hopefully they got some, and I don't even know if they got cap room to even pick up a big man, so... They pretty much strapped with the eye. Well, they don't even have draft picks. Didn't they get yeah, most of those up in the Russell Westbrook? Yeah. Get, uh, Westbrook. They gave OKC a ton of the, their draft picks, I, I believe. So they, they're kind of in a bad situation. I mean, they got to get creative. They probably going to have to go over the cap, find some people that's willing to, you know, take some contracts and do something because, I mean, it's not, they, they got to get some kind of big man on that roster to be able to play like a regular, you know, a regular type of system. And I don't think they bought Silas in to run that small ball, yeah. cybermetric shoot threes all the time offense. But yeah. too, they, they want to go conventional. Yeah, the defense. I don't. I mean, they they played well. They played good defense when they had to. But you had a lot of mismatches and a lot of stuff. The Lakers, when you watched them play, the Lakers really took advantage of that. PJ Tucker on Anthony Davis. I mean, you know, saying the Lakers bigs in that series looked like you thought that. That was the old Dwight Howard on Orlando or something, the way he was mm-hmm. killing those guys. <laughs> I, I might even went to uh, Tyson Chandler at that point, right, to see what he could do. Yeah. yeah. Just, just to have a big body out there, which is why, like I said, uh, going back to Silas, I'm excited that he's getting that opportunity, but I almost feel like unless they make some, some roster changes, he's being set up to fail from the beginning. Now mm-hmm. here the guy gets break and then he's getting it with this type of roster mm-hmm. now, what, and, and, and like if you are Houston um, what what do you do what can you do to, to change this roster around do you consider now that Maury's over there in uh, Philly right of course the rumblings have already started of James Harden right he wants to bring him over there do you even consider that I mean, if, for me, if I could, if I could get Ben Simmons and Jason Richardson, I would do that because you, you got to figure the roster. The, the Rockets need a roster. They they they, they need um they like the only like they're not gonna take Westbrook, and it doesn't seem like Ben Simmons necessarily plays the greatest of style with Embiid. And I and I would have to say to be honest with you, looking at Embiid and looking at um Simmons. Embiid to me is, is, you know, health aside, is probably one of the most dominant big men in the game easily. Like when he's on, he's really on, and it happens a lot. I mean, Simmons, we've seen games where people just step four feet back of him and let him shoot. I mean, some teams he can run around, but that never works in the playoffs. So if I was going to give one of those two guys a bubble, I would try to do something. Maybe they'll take Tobias Harris and that, um, Ben Simmons. If they did that alone, think about it. Now you got Russ, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, whatever. You got a roster change. Plus, you figure the money's close or something. You could do something with that. It's a little different roster, move the ball around a little bit. 
And I'm sure you could get some picks out of it too if you're giving up yeah. right? right? If a Harden, you might get a pick or something in there too. So it creates a lot of flexibility. And plus, I don't really see, I mean, Houston is a playoff team. But if you think about even a full season, a lot of those teams were nipping at their heels. I mean, Denver's going to get better. Utah's going to oh, yeah. probably get better. Um, all those teams, the Lakers will be better this year in a full season. The Clippers will be better in a full season because those guys won't be hurt. So realistically, I mean, I don't see, I see the Rockets being the Rockets being on that that five to eight range or something, and that's not really like a championship contender with Harden. You can trade Harden to Philly, get Simmons and get get Simmons, Tobias Harris, and a pick, and you can still be in that five, six, seven, eight range. So. But the only thing is, is now you got a full team and you're growing with. So I mean, I don't really see the advantage of keeping Harden, other than you know having a superstar player to put more fans with you. But as far as winning games, if you can get that type of return, you got to trade them because nobody's gonna take Westbrook. Plus, does that allow by doing that too? Does that allow Silas to come in now and implement his his whatever system he wants? Because now he's almost hand strapped because you know he's gonna you have to put the ball in james harden uh in his hands to play iso ball right so that limits what you can do in terms of your system the system is gonna have to revolve around Harden dribbling uh so if you like you said if you move him you don't want to because the guy's a generational talent top one of the top players in the league but if you do that you open it up now for silas to come in and maybe implement that new system I wonder how Philly feels seeing Steve Butler in the finals. <laughs> yeah. How about that? That might should've be a kept... motivating thing. Yeah. Yeah, you should have kept me, Butler. Butler was just a, a tough ball player one away. And he mentally, he's a mentally strong player. And um, they're not used to that on our roster. And B's not, not, I guess, a, a tough guy, so to speak, as far as mentally. And neither is Ben Simmons, you know? But those guys should have kept uh, Jimmy Butler, maybe had a better, a better season. But um, the Rockets, um, they're going to do overhaul. They're going to scrap that uh, D'Antoni uh, offense real quick. Because it's shown that, you know, isolation ain't going to happen. It'll, it'll, it'll happen in our own neighborhood. So that's going to happen in NBA court either. You know, so uh, this side is in what we want to do. He wants to sign somebody else, go for it, try to sign these guys. But uh, I can see them having a, a, maybe a, a, a tough season. They're trying to change the change the. Uh, it's the offense system, but um, other than that, man, I mean, I don't expect too much from Houston this year, and not, not at all. Okay. I think um, Gordon's kind of old, he's in the back end of his career, Gordon. P.J. Tucker's cold, he's playing out of position, he don't escape too much offensively, he's more like a, you know, physical guy, like, like Marcus Morris, you know. You know yeah. Physical guy, give you good, give you good, strong, all your fouls, so to speak. That's what they have, besides Harden. Westbrook, you know, he can't shoot no more. You can't shoot to who they have. That's what size who they have. So I seem to having a tough season coming up. Now, you know the craziest thing about this? We just talked about how this D'Antoni system is they're moving away from it. And as we say that, the Nets go out and hire D'Antoni and Amari Stoudemire and basically try to create the Phoenix Suns East. I mm-hmm. mean, I, mean I, I can respect D'Antoni for his offensive coaching. I mean, and thankfully for the Nets, they didn't do something crazy like hire him as the head coach. I mean, he's pretty good with the offense, the ball moves, with the X's and O's. But, I mean, 
what is Amari going to do that? He's going to be like the teach, teach, um, teach young kids professionalism. I mean, uh, Amari was like, well, what? Hey, I mean, listen, just like hiring hey, your buddy. Hey, man, going. listen, you sound like, man, you need to go on YouTube after the show, man, and type in those, those uh, Amari Sons highlights, man. Amari could no. shoot. He had footwork. Now, defense, he can't talk on defense. That's for sure. <laughs> but as far as teaching you footwork and, and, how, and how to get open when you jump shot, you know, and he teach you footwork for sure, man, and, and get a feel for a guy, how, how he's doing you, how you can get him off you, how to take him. Are like you calling me this way? Are you calling me that way, so to speak? But on offense, he could teach teacher. Defensively, he can't teach you nothing. I think, I think he could do, I mean, I think you're right. I think he could teach them something offensively, but he, he would have to remember too. He was he was like a, a incredible athlete. I look at the Nets roster, yes. and there's nobody. See, yeah, that, 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 I can do what Amari could do. You know, right. well said, well said, well said. Yeah, you know, we just sat here and we said the Nets didn't really have bigs, so it's nice to bring them in. I'm a huge stat fan, being a Knicks fan, but you bring in stat, which is exciting, I think. But who's he teaching? What bigs do they have? Who's he That's the that's the only one. After bringing you know a couple of at least you know a few young bigs for him to uh, teach, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with I you. I agree. I think they're good compliments, though. Like you said, Theo, about how he's good with the offensive too. I think that the um. That's part of the reason probably why Jock Vaughn is like the lead assistant or something because he's probably the defensive guy. I think the Nets did a real good job in the bubble on defense, so they need somebody to work like opposite D'Antoni and Amari and even Nash because Nash wasn't no defensive stopper either. Right. Too, I'd say with another thing that Stat probably brings is uh is t- I think Stat always had like a, a good mindset. The guy was like, I never really seen him backing down from anybody. So I think he'll bring that. I think Kyrie and, and Durant already have that being veterans. But some of those younger guys, Dinwiddie, Harris, LeBert, I think Stat may be able to help them with that mindset in terms of uh, how to approach the game. But then you look at DeAntoni. It goes back to the, the Kyrie Irving comment before about the head coach, right? Whatever you want, these guys don't respect them. What, what good is it? Mm-hmm. So to hear uh, who's supposed to be the leaders of your team saying they don't feel like they really even have a coach, you bring in DeAntoni. Are they gonna listen to anything he has to say? Are they gonna listen to Stat on the bench during the timeout? Is KD paying attention to Stat as he's trying to say something? Got a point, man. Got a point. I mean, the craziestness is we remember, we, we can't forget Dan Tony from the Knicks. I mean, he's good for alienating players, too, with players like, I don't even want to mess with this guy. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He might be the first first assistant coach fired midseason if he alienated <laughs> A.D. and Kyrie Irving. They ain't going nowhere. The minute he gets out there and starts thinking that he's talking to Stephon Marbury, he'll be mm. off the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to like D'Antoni's Phoenix days in regards to that, is didn't one of the players throw like a towel in his face or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if it was that. Who was it? No, nah, you talk, talk, talk about Ori and Danny Ainge. I, I, know, know, Phoenix, I, I think Sean Murray, somebody threw, I know yeah, somebody, somebody threw a towel. So he yeah. already, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, he's kind of questionable in terms of, like you said, uh, players respecting him and stuff like that. I don't think he really had that problem, at least uh, in the in the forefront in Houston. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting bringing those guys in. On paper, it looks good to get Steve Nash. He doesn't have too much experience in terms of being a head coach, but the guy was a leader on the court. So I think he was a head coach on the court for his entire career. Um, the Antoni, we just spoke on him. He has tons of experience, implemented a uh, 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 crazy offensive system, right? That a lot of teams are patenting their offense around these the, these days, space and pace and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's just a matter of whether these guys buy in, especially their stars, Katie and, and Kyrie. I agree. I agree. And the last thing I want to talk about I've been hearing about is this possible Drew Holiday trade. I mean, I think listen, I think Drew showed a lot in that in that bubble or something. But my only thing that I would think about is, is maybe it's better for New Orleans to trade him for, for just for a couple of basic reasons. Not because he's not talented enough or anything like that. He's on a different timeline than their players. What I mean by that is their players are 25 and 26 and younger, and Drew is 30. So by the time they actually get to a point, which I'm thinking is maybe three or four years to compete for a championship, he might be on the other side of it. Right now, I think he's probably at one of his highest value points. Yeah. And I think they could probably get like a good a good draft pick and some maybe something else for him at this time that, you know, that could help them out. So, I mean, what do you guys think about Drew Holiday being traded? Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. He's, I think uh, if he is traded, it's not. It has nothing to do with his skill. The guy is definitely a, you know, he could play. He's one of the top defensive guards. His offense is pretty good. He, he's able to break the defense down, get into the paint, create for himself. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. Uh, I think it goes back to exactly what you just said in regards to the timeline. You have Brandon Ingram, right, who's coming into his own. He's in his mid-20s, uh, I believe. They're going to have to offer him the max to keep him around. Then you have uh, Zion there now. You have Lonzo. They got a pretty young team. And granted, um, he's not he's not old. He's, I believe he's, what, Holiday, maybe around 30 or so. Yeah. So... Um, his, his timeline just doesn't match, though. It's not like he's old and, and, and on his way out. I think he still has a lot left, which is why I could see a team like, uh, I don't know what they would offer for him, but I could see a team like, let's say, Milwaukee, right, chasing him. He, he'll be good for a team that's in that, that win-now mode. And I don't think uh, the Pelicans are, are there yet. They still have a couple of years before they reach that, that we're, we're ready to win. They'll take a couple of strides and stuff, but I think you're better off probably trading uh, Holiday now while you can get something for him before he reaches that other side and his value is diminished. Yeah, Drew is the truth. He, he could ball. He's, and Drew is probably the best uh, defensive point guard in the league. He's tough defensively and offensively. He, he, could, he could score as well. Um, what team fits him? Brooklyn is one of them, that's for sure. Lakers is another team for sure. I could see that. Maybe Miami, you know? Yeah. Drew the point guard with, with Jimmy Buckers and Bam and the hero. 
Just go look. Yeah, that, that'll be tough. That'll be tough. But if I'm Pelicans, I'm, I need I need draft picks too as well. And yeah. my taking I want my taking a nice savvy um, veteran because you you don't you don't have a team that's too young, too green like that, you know. So maybe yeah. instead of maybe like a Julius Randle, just throw the name. He'll be a good a guy who's saying for locker room. He's a veteran. Now these guys to develop before they um make their run and get some draft pick as well. So I, and I think I think they had uh, draft picks uh, to the trade. I'll, I'll definitely go for it though. But no no like two or three guys. Maybe one old school veteran or guy been in the league for eight ten years and get maybe two or three draft picks and go from there. But yeah. just the truth though. Yeah, I, I like Drew too. I mean, you look at it. If they if they do lose Drew, the guy, the kid Frank Jackson looked like he was playing balling pretty well in the bubble, so he could move into the backup. And then mm-hmm. Riddick goes back to being a starter. And like you said, in a trade scenario, you bring back bring back like a veteran to listen to be on that team. So probably try to find somebody that has that has some wins. You know that understands how to win. Somebody right. that might have won a championship or something yes. like that. Yes. And you put them on that roster or something. That that definitely will help because they. They might need that more than they actually need to play on the court because they got they got the talent and the drafting talent. They just need somebody to help them learn how to win. Plus, uh, another like a big part of it is uh, is the finances too. You have the Pelicans who are a small organization. You're paying Drew a lot of money. We just mentioned Brandon uh, Brandon Ingram. You're gonna have to pay him. I would say a max. I don't think you're gonna be able to get away with paying him anything less. Looking further down the line, granted, he just finished his rookie season, but unless he has uh, some unfortunate injury, you're going to have to pay Zion at some point. Um, you're going to have to pay Lonzo if you keep him around. Lonzo's going to have decent money. So yeah. I think it's it's a, a smart business move, too, to, to get out of Drew's contract if you can and pick up some some young assets, like you said, a veteran who, who's not too expensive to be a, a good locker room guy. Um, so yeah, I think it comes down to like a business decision too, right? Uh, not just a basketball decision. You look, yeah, at team, uh, you look at a team like the Miami Heat, going back to them, uh, in order to pick up a guy like Drew Holiday, you know, who, who would they have to give up, you think? Because um, I'm sure they're going to say, uh, you know, we want Hero. I don't know if Miami will go for that. Duncan Robinson's not enough, right? The guy yeah, didn't trade Drew for Duncan Robinson. I don't know what Miami's picks look like. Their picks probably aren't the greatest because they're a pretty decent team. Right. The yeah. teams that could use Holiday don't really have a ton of assets to get them. I mean, you, I mean, there's some funny scenarios like I... I heard that was him. The Pelicans in that original deal was high on Kuzma, so <laughs> they could go get the rest of the Lakers because they already got Jason Hart too. They just mm. trade him over there, bring him. And remember, um, well, they got. They, I think Rondo cemented in. I don't think they're gonna give up on Rondo again. I think Rondo is gonna be on the Lakers, but I can see them going back and probably trying to ask for Kuzma or something, Kuzma, and maybe bringing in. Um, I mean, what's this guy? Not a. If they get rid of um, the guy from Golden State, the ex-center, what's his name? Um, McGee. McGee. If you give Kuzma and McGee in a pick, they get to re-sign Dwight Howard because I think Kuz- I think um, McGee's minutes are pretty much done with Dwight Howard there too. So 
if they would take a deal like a McGee and a McGee and a Kuzma and a pick, I could I could see them getting a deal like that done. They would probably have to involve a third team to make the money match because I think Holiday's probably getting twenty something million at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he is. He was on Plus, the, the Lakers don't have uh, available cap space to absorb a huge contract, so they may have to get a, a like a third team involved, which is, I, I could see maybe, depending on what assets are thrown their way, I could see a team like my Knicks uh, sure, yeah. facilitator, right? If you throw some picks, we'll take a McGee and these other guys <laughs> some, some undesirable contracts just to facilitate it. Yeah, I, I can hear that. I mean, I think even Miami would probably try to do it, but the guys they would need from Miami, like, I can see them trying to do it, do it but I don't think Miami would trade them, but you, you got to figure a guy like a Udonis Haslam would have to be in the trade, for one thing, because they want somebody, some kind of veteran. They may even just cut them, but Miami doesn't really have a lot of veterans on the team. That's the only person with any type of experience on that. And then you probably would have to give up – um. The, the point guard that was starting, not not um not the the young oh, kid. Right? Yeah, you probably would have to give him Drogic a uh, pick or something. So you might you looking at Drogic a pick, Drogic probably a couple of picks in Haslam or something like that. Drogic makes a decent amount of money, I think, maybe like 14, 15 million, I think. I think he's in that range. And Haslam, I think, is at the veteran minimum, like me, like two. So and that, that might put you close if you gave up the draft pick and stuff. But you look at Milwaukee, Milwaukee, I'm sure would love him. But the only person I could see them throwing back to make the, the money work is uh, Eric Bledsoe, which I don't see the Pelicans wanting to do because you might as well keep Drew Holiday, right? You want to get rid of some of his money and get a guy who matches your timeline if you can in some picks. Why would you take on Eric Bledsoe, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the, the, the balancing act. Um, in regards to moving them, as you want to move them, but the teams that could use them don't really necessarily have the assets. Whereas you look at the Knicks, right? He doesn't really fit the Knicks timeline either, but the Knicks have valuable assets. I would say that the Pelicans would be interested in, in taking off the Knicks' hands if they can. Um, yeah. I just don't see like that is, why would the Knicks, let's say, without a third team involved, why would they take him back considering he doesn't meet their timeline? Don't get me wrong, he comes to the Knicks, he's probably the best player on the team, but does Drew Holiday, you spend, unless you include assets to move him to the Knicks, does he get you over the hill or like into the playoffs if, if you're the Knicks in order to take that contract on? I mean, I think some of those scenarios will play out more as, as dominoes start to fall. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Like, if Toronto had the opportunity to move, like, Lowry to keep the um, to keep the other guy, then you see, like, a guy like Drew Holiday because they can't – they couldn't take on a young guy to try to do it. Some of these teams, like like the guys trying to win, they really could use Drew on what's him on the team now. Like, like kind of like what um, – like nobody thought that any team would take on Mike Conley's money, kind of the way Utah took his money on. Right. So if they, right. if they think yeah. that they can get that type of bang for the buck right off the top, and it puts you in championship contention, teams teams will figure out a way. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. I agree. So I think with him we again, man. I mean, I love talking to you guys about sports, man. I think we had another great show. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Man. With all the stuff that we talked about today, man, I think we got another big week coming up next week. Next week, what's in week? I guess we'll have a, we have another show coming up next Sunday. Well, listen, where um, I got a guest coming on. I was saying he he trains NBA players and college players, and he's the high, assistant high school coach. Used to play for Seton Hall. Used to work for the Nets. And was saying he's going to talk with us about what he's doing and training players and stuff. And we're going to talk about you know our usual stuff and try to get a lot of draft talking because the NBA draft is coming up on the 18th. So listen, about I can't wait to talk about that. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, you know, I have a lot of joys every week, man. I, I look forward to it, man. So can't wait. Okay. Thank you guys again, man. Listen, good night. Anybody else have anything? Uh, rest in peace, Joe Morgan, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Talk to you next week.